0: Well, Henny did say in practice they've been practice, practicing the D-pass with him. But overall, a dominating performance uh, since 97. I don't think we've seen a, an all overall performance from this Michigan team like this. And uh, number six in the polls now, Notre Dame drops number 12. And uh, with that, we are out of time. I am Tony Bolton. For everybody else in the uh, Student Activities Building basement, uh, saying good night and go blue. Let's get it started. Ah. Let's get it started Let's get it started in here. Let's get, it started. Let's get it started. The only six seconds left, and then Chad Kowarik will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desch went over to shout instructions to Kowarik. Thank you for listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at wcbn.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward, here's Hensick. Now to Kalorick, he's behind the defense. He's in, shot and score. Chad Kalorick out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead! Get it
1: started in here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started
0: in here. What station am I listening to? Golden Union Radio. What station plays the music in the most nine? Golden FM and Arbor.
1: Uh, well, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And, uh, yeah, that was probably the biggest Michigan football win since 1997. They do have a good team this year, so uh, pay attention to them. They've got, uh, I'd say, about five guys on defense that are going to be in the NFL, and they've got talent in key positions, and they're hungry. So uh, keep an eye on them. Obviously, the Ohio State game will determine everything later in the season. Go Blue. Anyway couple of uh, quick announcements. I noticed that Amy Goodman is coming to Ann Arbor on Thursday. She's giving a uh, free lecture at the Michigan Theater at 5 o'clock and appearing at Borders shortly thereafter. I don't know whether it's 6.30 or 7, but check her out. She's, uh, her show was on WCBN for years, uh, and now it's uh, you can hear it at 11 p.m. on WDET, so-called the... Uh, War and Peace Report uh, occasionally has very interesting guests and uh, observations. She's doing a book tour. I won't go into her book, but it's basically about the uh, corruption and delusions of the Iraq War. So it's a timely subject, and uh, you can see her at the Michigan Theater on Thursday. Also, real quick, next week there is actually a movie at the Blind Pig. It's it's a uh, showing of the documentary Why We Fight, uh, by uh, I th- believe his name his last name is Jarecki I think it's Eugene this has been promoted on uh, public uh, television uh, They sh- I've seen snippets of it twice CBC ironically showed it a couple of weeks ago and uh, It also appeared at the Ann Arbor Film Festival a couple of years ago. It's a pretty interesting documentary about the military-industrial complex, so uh, that's going to be at 9.30 p.m. And that's not announced uh, or part of the uh, full disclosure film series down there, so check that out. The title,
0: of course, is a play on the Frank Capra-produced World War II-era films kind of propaganda films explaining the nature of the war and, of course, multiple possible answers to that question, why we fight.
1: Yeah, and there are uh, some very interesting um, insiders from the Pentagon that talk about the complete lack of accountability that the Pentagon has uh, uh, with respect to our democracy, how the Pentagon actually technically violates the Constitution. They're never able to pass an audit uh, other than... One department, and that's the Department of uh, Veteran Affairs, um, and that, of course, is basically spending uh, that the uh, American government is obligated to pay for past wars. And Well, and uh, it
0: in fact experiences cuts on a regular basis. It experiences cuts, but it's also on
1: a little bit of an automatic pilot. Like if you look at where it stood uh, before, say, the first Persian Gulf War, compared to where it stands now, it's it's remarkable. We're talking here. Uh, getting up there near $100 billion a year just in uh, defense uh, veterans' benefits. And, of course, as America engages in more and more of these wars, uh, these uh, costs just continue to increase and are part of the so-called automatic, non-discretionary funding in the uh, American budget. It's interesting, by the way... um, that one of the uh, stories in the new uh, Project Censored um, media uh, analysis uh, involves how the uh, Pentagon uh, is exempt from the Freedom of Information Act. That's uh, story number eight, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about
0: that in due course. Yeah, I've got a quick announcement here as well that I've been meaning to get to for weeks, and just one thing and another haven't, but uh, the passing of the great... Egyptian novelist Najib Mahfouz, who died at age 94 a couple of weeks ago now. He received the uh, Nobel Prize for Literature in 1988, and uh, the first Arab writer to have done so. Uh, I really strongly recommend his work, particularly his uh, Cairo trilogy, uh, which focuses on the experiences of a family living uh, in Cairo at around the time of uh, the early parts of the 20th century through World War 1 the British presence there and so forth uh he's been compared uh by many scholars and uh, enthusiasts to uh Dostoevsky uh and to Dickens as well for his you know very memorable characters his detailed descriptions and his interest in uh, regular people and the you know, suffering and ordeals of daily life. So he did survive a, an assassination attempt. Um, yeah, in the, the 90s. Brotherhood, I think. Was, right, there was I a stabbing. Um, but uh, he wrote a number of books. The Journey of Ibn. Oh, I can't, I'll have to come uh, the title. Ibn uh, Fatir, I think, is uh, particularly good. It's a short book, very quick read, and it's a series of travels that. Uh, a man undergoes, and the completely different perspectives on the world that each culture he voyages to, um, kind of expanding his perception of possible ways of looking at the world. It's a wonderful book, and uh, he's a great writer who deserves to be more widely read here in the West.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't read uh, any of his works. I am familiar with one sort of interesting aspect of his uh, development as a writer, Apparently spent most of his career sort of as a bureaucrat, uh-huh. uh, worked in the government, and then after you know, probably looking at uh, insurance claims or something really mundane, but then apparently went out uh, to the cafes and bars, so to speak, and got the every man's perspective uh, on life. And apparently this is one of his uh, particularly uh, sort of lucid perspectives on life itself from that everyman perspective that he garnered over the years of just plain observing ordinary people. Um, And it's interesting how there are, over the many, many years of uh, great literature, some uh, of the great writers have actually worked in these very mundane jobs. Indeed. (laughs) I think Melville was uh, one of those uh, casualties.
0: Yeah, Kafka as well.
1: Among others. And, uh, yeah. Definitely. I will I I will probably pursue some of his uh uh literature through the Ann Arbor Public Library. What a great resource that is. Indeed. Well, uh Bush uh sort of emerged uh at the beginning of the week
0: uh <laughs> I don't know. Um He said some bizarre yeah, things. He last had a week. he
1: had a weird week. In fact, I think he went uh, from uh trying to exploit the nine eleven uh commemoration uh, situation to the end of the week being exposed as Lonely Boy. <laughs> and i uh, that's a reference to that weird uh, internet thing that got way too much publicity, but it occurred to me that there were very striking similarities between George Bush and Lonely Girl. Was that her name? I don't uh, it, remember. a so, really weird thing about some characters out, out west that promoted uh, some website on MySpace about a woman who was sort of trapped in uh, in a... <laughs> strange family situation that turned out of course to be a professional actress posing as this uh, person. So yes, he's lonely boy. Um he seems to be uh I don't know if he even has any more friends. He seems to be more and more petulant at the media and very and
0: snippy. Cr-
1: yeah, he's he's his temper uh, seems to be
0: uh Exposing itself. um. Speaking of exposing itself, my favorite utterance that emerged from him was unbelievable. I'm sure people within his own, you know, administration went, Whoa, no, dude, don't say that. when he was asked at one point, you know, Oh, the speculation is that Osama bin Laden is likely in Pakistan. Will we pursue him there? And his response was, something to the effect of, well, we can't just go into Pakistan with, uh, you know, 10,000, 15,000 armed forces. Uh, That's a sovereign nation. We have to be invited in. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, Dick Cheney just choked on a pretzel somewhere if he's listening to this, because, of course, we certainly weren't invited in to Iraq or Afghanistan or any number of other places around the world in the past dozen odd years. But what a bizarre assertion. Accurate. Well, yeah, he
1: he seems to be the agent of a sort of strange Karl Rove playbook where they've decided that the only way that the GOP can win these congressional elections, that they seem absolutely determined to win. Um, Congressional investigation is one of the key uh, failures of the Republican Congress during these many years. Uh, They don't touch issues such as torture, which, of course, was in the news big time Mm -hmm. last week because a number of prominent Republicans have broken ranks with the president and only the loyalists remain with him but uh that speech that he gave a couple of weeks ago in which he mentioned osama bin laden 17 times was uh totally bizarre this coming after he claimed he doesn't think about him anymore um which is a very odd claim indeed (laughs) but uh yeah his performance last week was strange and of course it followed dick cheney's uh remarkable appearance on meet the press where he uh Said we'd pretty much do everything the same as we did, you know, admitting to no mistakes and uh, not really acknowledging any of the public mistakes that he has made on that program, statements that mm-hmm. have proven erroneous. So Dick Cheney uh, may be lonely boy as well. He seems to be hidden in a cave somewhere in the bowels of the uh, vice presidential executive mansion with uh, no doubt <clears throat> medical equipment attached to his body monitoring his... Uh, Beep very very uh Precarious, delicate yeah. delicate heart condition um, so yeah bush is uh is in i think he's 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 kind of caught in a uh, Karl rove playbook that uh isn't going well uh but uh, promoting the war on terrorism and trying to link uh everything to the uh, n- uh the so-called war on terror is becoming more and more strange. I mean, in an interview with uh, Katie Couric, another uh, lonely girl herself,
0: cutting edge journalism
1: is his strange claim. He says one of my hard one of the hardest parts of my job is to connect Iraq to the war on terror. Well,
0: <laughs> that is difficult.
1: It is difficult when nobody believes that it's connected, and that Iraq, the invasion of Iraq, in fact, was a a decision made by him. Or for him by the so-called project for the American century, and of course Dick Cheney is involved with that. So um, we better keep an eye on Lonely Boy; he uh, may implode any time now.
0: Well, I uh, have to give a quick brain damage award to Pope Ratzinger, yeah, also known as Benedict the Fourteenth. Um, now, uh, don't you know, call me Benedict Arnold, <laughs> right? Uh, you know supposedly these comments that he made mm-hmm. uh, defaming Muhammad and Islam were taken out of context yeah. and he's quoting some fifteenth century fourteenth century um, Eastern writer um, still it's a bizarre quote for him to insert into his you know educational presentation there uh, to his uh, admirers in Germany uh I hardly think he would indulge in quoting some text which, you know, follows some stereotypical derogatory depiction of Jews, for example, or any other <laughs> group. Uh, of course, the Catholic Church has had a checkered past at best with regards to non-Christians. Um, and even non-Catholics. Yeah, I was hoping that Michael Palin and (laughs) the Spanish Inquisition (laughs) (laughs) Gilliam would show up at any moment and interrupt his... It was a ripe moment. (laughs) Speech. (laughs) I think only that could have saved the day for him. I think so. He's apologized, but, you know, why say that? Why read that quote if there's the possibility that it's going to be misunderstood, as clearly it was?
1: Yeah, and to sort of omit the history of Christianity in the area of
0: strange crusades, oppression, and uh, racism. So I guess we have to acknowledge him for demonstrating just how useless a pope is in today's modern world. Well, and yeah, there unfortunately has been
1: some violence already associated with Mm -hmm. his comments. Um, But yeah, he deserves a brain damage award for being tin-eared to uh, modern reality. But then, of course, his entire agenda is uh, strange to say the least. He seems to be mired in the 14th century uh, thinking on just about every issue of our day. Um, the Pope, uh, I, this Pope, I don't know, he he doesn't seem to be quite as forceful as uh, Pope John Paul in denouncing um, America's war policies. Uh, which is interesting in and of itself.
0: Indeed. Yeah, John Paul too had his you know blind spots and and faults, but he was consistently uh, outspoken against uh, aggressive politics and war.
1: Maybe instead of focusing on um, religious comments, he can join in the d- war on spinach. <laughs> uh, that's a new. Uh, Interesting, funny joke that I heard Brian Unger on the Unger Report today say that America has decided to uh, abandon the war on terror and is now engaged in a war on spinach. E. coli, uh, very strange because, you know, it's interesting that there is supposedly a massive surplus of beef uh, with with probable massive slaughters of beef due to uh, poor grain production uh, this year due to the drought uh, in the uh, Upper Midwest, so it's interesting. Uh, My thinking here, of course, is that spinach is uh, one of those rare vegetables uh, that provides iron, Um, and there are not a lot of vegetables that provide iron, though Swiss chard is a good uh, uh, alternative. Easy to grow, too. Easy to grow. That's a good alternative. You can get very good Swiss chard, by the way, uh, Swiss chard at uh, local farmers markets here as well as the co-op grown organically and there seems to be a great deal of confusion by the way about that term organic (laughs) organic farming uh, does not involve manure per se it's it's more of uh, a compost which manure is used in it but um, compost is degraded uh, beyond any E. coli E. coli comes from cows (laughs) Um, so what a cow is doing in a spinach Packaging factory,
0: <laughs> one can only guess. Employees must wash hands after handling cows and packaging spinach. Maybe, maybe they're employing
1: cows to pick spinach these days. I don't know. But, uh, yes, let's allow the government to continue to pursue this, but uh, the hysteria about spinach has reached uh, preposterous proportions. Uh, only Popeye, I think, will be able to rescue the spinach industry at this point.
0: Oh, hey, but there is some good news. And the good news is this. Um, There's no such thing as Gulf War Syndrome. Oh, yeah. Um, This, of course, is disappointing news for uh, veterans and their families. Um, And the official finding states that, well, there are an array of very real problems, but no one complex of symptoms to suggest that these veterans, nearly 30% of all those who served in the first Gulf War, by the way, that's a staggeringly high percentage, suffer from these uh, symptoms, memory loss, fatigue, muscle and joint pain, rashes, difficulty sleeping, birth defects. Um, The word strangely missing from the entire article, although not perhaps from the report, is depleted uranium. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, extent to which the Pentagon has used this as a casing for shells, as in, you know, to make them armor piercing, and the fact that once fired, these things are discharged, fall into the ground. There is obviously some sort of, you know, combustible uh, element there that uh, is perhaps linkable to these veterans and their health difficulties. But it's official, there's no such thing as Gulf War syndrome, so that's got to be good news.
1: Well, in fact, it's an example of how the Pentagon continues to mislead the public. And, Selectively
0: redefining.
1: Yeah, and the veterans, and this this is reminiscent of the Agent Orange uh, mm-hmm. situation in, in Indochina. Uh, the United States used defoliants. Uh, Agent Orange was involved. These defoliants were used extensively between 1962. Tons were dropped. And 1969, and frequently, by the way, American troops and so-called engineering corps or, you know, bridge repair people or whatever, would be put right into the into those areas that had been defoliated. The uh, a Pentagon is notorious for covering things up like this. They, of course, don't want to acknowledge uh, the fact that these <laughs> weapons were used either in Indochina or in uh, Iraq. Uh, it's pretty well known that depleted uranium hit some sort of am- ammo dump um, down in I think it was Cuzamaya or something, and it was there was a massive explosion in which presumably a lot of this um depleted uranium ended up uh in the air, you know. So who was exposed and exactly how they were exposed has always been part of the uh wiggle room that the Pentagon has used to get out of denying that Gulf War syndrome is such a thing, but the numbers are staggering and it is typical of our unwillingness to face reality. That story, by the way, that Gulf War Syndrome, has made uh, previous projects censored mm-hmm. top ten stories over the years. And just real quickly, I wanted to focus on a couple of these. The last week's Metro, Time by, uh, Metro Times, by the way, has uh, um, this article, um, and we've certainly talked about some of this stuff,
0: those are usually published in uh, a book form Yeah, sometime probably within the next few uh, weeks. Sonoma State uh, University
1: out in California. And I'm reading here that um, you can get a the top 25 stories on sfbg.com. Uh, I'm quoting the Metro Times article on this. But it's interesting that at number two uh, appears the article about Halliburton selling key nuclear component nuclear reactor components to private Iranian oil companies as recently as 2005 and of course this would touch perhaps on Dick Cheney's role as chairman of Halliburton during the 1990s in which uh, he apparently did do business with Iran quite interesting because of course the war hoopla is up and about regarding that Number three on this list, I'll just mention quickly, oceans in extreme danger. This is about rising sea levels and um, warmer uh, surface temperatures that are pretty much documented by science. Number five, because I'm just going to skip over some of these, is the high-tech genocide in Congo. Uh, We have seen over the weekend, by the way, big... uh, a lot of media focus on the situation in Darfur mm-hmm. and this is being discussed by the UN and something may happen here who knows uh, after 3 or 4 years of dragging their feet uh, maybe uh, they'll get some action in the uh, in the Darfur situation but interestingly there are actually far more deaths occurring in the Congo supposedly over the past several years as many as 4 million people have died there and of course this area is part of uh, the former remnants of the American empire. Um, Mobutu, of course, received billions of dollars of quote, foreign aid over the years. Um, He, of course, was friendly to the United States. There's all sorts of uh, CIA involvement probably in the assassination of Patrice Lumumba. And, of course, the reason that the Congo is critical are the um, trace elements The resources in this enormous country, because this country is unbelievably big. It's got key um, ingredients for nuclear weapons, uh, where the United States, I read at one point, actually actually obtained 90% of its uranium over the years, uh, when it was a Cold War, when the Belgians were in control of Mm -hmm. the Congo. The uranium was uh, mined in uh, the Congo and uh, used by American nuclear all uh, the, well, the Pentagon, uh, but there are also other key um, metals in Congo like coltan, niobium, in the high tech indus- uh, in the high tech industry, and uh, of course, copper over the years, tin diamonds cobalt, which uh, of course America's most powerful nuclear weapon is actually a cobalt bomb. Radioactive cobalt is uh, one of those mysterious. Things, but uh, this is a, is definitely an under-reported uh, story. Apparently, you may want to check out the March edition of Z Magazine, the March uh, 2006. And then, real quick, uh, I mentioned the Pentagon being exempt from the Freedom of Information Act. And then, of course, number seven on this list has been in the news lately: U.S. operatives tortured detainees to death in Af- to death in Af- in Afghanistan and Iraq. And by the way, in the most recent edition of the Columbia Journalism Review, there's a very good sort of cover story called The Failures of Imagination, American Journalists and the Coverage of American Torture, that shows a timeline and a a pretty detailed account. You know, the article's about 12, 13 pages long, showing how the uh, media and the coverage related to the events regarding torture have unfolded over the years, and of course it makes for remarkable reading. Torture, while, of course, Bush has de- denied that this is a policy of the United States, in fact, uh, seems to ignore the fact that uh, many of his own high-ranking officials <laughs> approved the torture. Indeed. In-, in writing, Donald Rumsfeld is at the heart of this, so is John Yoo, so is Alberto Gonzalez. The record speaks for itself. So check that article out. It's a very good. One of the better pieces they've uh, had this year in the Columbia Journalism Review, the most recent edition.
0: Well, got about five minutes left here on the program. A lot of little bits and pieces here. <clears throat> you mentioned uh, one of the stories about uh, global warming. Of course, there's recent news that Siberia is thawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, an article from last week detailing uh, Arctic ice is blocked by gases that the last two winters have each produced six percent less ice than the average amount measured for almost three decades. Um, this is pretty it's pretty serious stuff. And, of course, the
1: methane in the Siberian uh, so-called permafrost apparently Very volatile. is going into the atmosphere. And, believe it or not, methane is uh, something like 23 times more, uh, shall we say, powerful than carbon dioxide. So As far we,
0: as destroying the ozone. Yeah, well,
1: the greenhouse gas right. factor. So if we've got methane going into the atmosphere... As a result of global warming, that could be very bad news indeed.
0: Here's another uh, one with, of course, election. Everybody's talking about the upcoming elections, which, by the way, the day before the elections, the elections are the 7th of November, the day before will be eleven six. If you turn that upside down, it looks like one of those magic mischief numbers. We know that uh, numbers have been significant here. Who knows what Dick Cheney has planned, Hopefully. Nothing that happens, but uh, a Princeton University professor has uh, done some research on debolt or diebold, vote TS machines, and found that indeed they are exceedingly easy to upload malicious programs into. Mm-hmm. And where is the eighty percent of American voters are expected to use some form of electronic voting in the upcoming election?
1: And, of course, we saw problems in the the, uh, primaries this past week in Maryland in particular. Maryland, interestingly, was one of only two states in the last presidential election uh, that used exclusively uh, electronic machines, and guess what? Bush did uh, surprisingly well in Maryland based on past performances of the Democratic Party in that state. I'm actually doing some hard number uh, looking at uh, Ohio, Maryland, and Georgia in this regard. Uh, it 's very troubling when I'm, when you have an administration like the Bush administration that is more concerned about democracy in Iraq and in Afghanistan than they are here at home right and Of course, this is supposedly going to be the theme of george bush 's address to the u n tomorrow should be uh,
0: remarkable hypocrisy and uh, probably some unintentional comedy there as well. Um, before we get to a couple of wacky items, I've got a, a few oddball things here. This is significant and uh, disturbing. It's evidence of the spread of the unrest uh, in the region of the Mideast. Uh, this is the second week in a row now. Kurdish rebels blamed for 10 bomb deaths. Mm -hmm. Okay, now Turkey did not join the war because, I think, uh, their anxiety about, well, what is that going to mean for our Kurdish population, which they've been repressing for years. Uh, Kurdistan was, uh, back when the League of Nations was around, uh, kind of kicked around as a viable state. Uh, That ended up not happening. The Kurds have never forgotten that. They've been used by pawns, as pawns, by uh, American... uh, presidents, and Kissinger used the Kurds extensively uh, as, as pawns uh, throughout his tenure with Nixon. So, yeah, there's unrest spreading westward up into Turkey there. And, of course,
1: Kofi Annan's recent uh, trip to the region uh, confirmed the fact that almost all the leaders in the East believe that the Iraq War has greatly destabilized uh, the entire region, uh, something that Bush uh, doesn't seem to acknowledge. Of course, there was this bizarre. Uh, Protest uh, in which deaths were involved in Ivory Coast regarding a uh, toxic waste dump. Um, we're just about we. I we in fact are out of time. I just wanted to read this quick bizarre item from a police beat from last month. A drunken 18-year-old man said he punched and kicked a moving car simply because he felt like doing so. <laughs> it goes on to detail that some man with children in the car decided to start beating up on a car on Main Street. Ah, alcohol does wonderful things for the brain.
0: Okay, well, we'll have to save my roasting bear story for next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to Chaz for engineering. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City
1: Calling coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Did
0: okay, see we this got thing you, about the. Uh,
1: Hi, I'm Abby Hoffman on the run, just listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hello, you are listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and this is the Yazoo City Calling Show. Uh, we're going to start it off today with Blind Boy Fuller, and then uh, we'll hear some uh, Blind Willie McTell, some Yank Rachel, and then uh, Big Bill Brunzi, and then we're going to kind of get into uh, sort of a focus on the area of St. Louis, whether it be uh, blues performers from there who uh, recorded there or often um, lived there or sort of fell into some styles um, that are associated with that area. And so if you have any